You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. You know, it makes me sit to my stomach to think how much I contributed to that. (laughs) The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the geek's watch for the geeks and all the geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geeks Watch. We are currently talking about WandaVision on Disney Plus. We're gonna get through we're gonna get to that after we get to our week's watch and talk about everything that everybody enjoyed this week while they were watching TV or reading a comic book or playing a video game or listening to music, whatever it is that jingles your fancy. So let's go ahead and get right into that week's watch. Elizabeth, what did you watch this week? So this week, um, I made you sit through with me, although I don't think I forced you. I'm confused, but that's okay. Uh, Staged. Uh, It's the new sitcom is what they're calling it, I guess, Uh, with David Tennant and Michael Sheen. Um, It's on Hulu, and it's basically... It's originally from the BBC. It's originally from the BBC, and it's their show about being in quarantine (laughs) is really what it is. So the premise of the show is the two of them had a play that they were going to star in together just before quarantine and COVID hits, it gets shut down and their director, Simon, Mm -hmm. who they both hate (laughs) comes to them with this proposal of, well, we can just, we can rehearse it via zoom. We can just we can rehearse it via Zoom so that, that way we are ready to hit the ground running when everything opens back up. We'll be the only ones who do and mm-hmm. we can get going. And it is just the cacophony of errors <laughs> <laughs> um, that occur with trying to one put together and rehearse a play via Zoom and two do so with two very large personalities and a very meek <laughs> director and it's just it's highly entertaining and you get uh michael sheen and david tennant's wives are both in it uh so georgia tennant and anna uh lund lundberg lundberg is that how yeah anna lundberg um and then you get uh simon's sister lucy who is in it because he sneaks into her house thinking that she's still in the south of france with her boyfriend And she comes home and she's like, what are you doing in my house? But ends up letting him stay because he doesn't really have anywhere else to to go during quarantine. So uh, it is very hilarious. There's some very touching moments, but it's mostly just humorous. And it's highly entertaining. You get a a look into everybody's 
personal lives and there's very much, while they are not average people, you get a lot of the same sense of the frustrations and the losing your mind when it comes to being locked in quarantine as we all have for COVID. Yes. The, you got David Tennant and Michael Sheen both playing very heightened versions of themselves. Um, they are uh, like David Tennant is very uh, more goofy than you would expect. And yeah. like, uh, yeah childish and Michael Sheen is so pompous and over the top about it. And, you know, acting is so much the craft and all that stuff. So he gets into David Tennant's head all the time. And then one of the cool, like meta things about it is they changed the, the billing of the credits every time, depending on what is said in the previous episodes. So like at one point in time, you come to find out that or David Tennant lies about Michael Sheen being in the show. He was not the first pick. He wasn't the first pick. So then after that point after that, the title, the title, the credit says the fucking liar, David Tennant. Instead of just saying David Tennant. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty and it, funny. And it flips back and forth because the entire, uh, one of the running jokes is whose name gets to go first. And then there are some pretty fantastic just guest appearances, yep. I guess is what we'd call them. Um, and I don't want to give away who they are because they are excellent and so well timed. Uh, <laughs> but it so. is all done through Zoom, like a lot of productions were this past year. And uh, did, did it sound like maybe you saw it also, Jessica? No, I keep on seeing um, clips of it all over, like just little snippets of it, like on TikTok and then also just other like social media things so and i keep on meaning to figure out what those clips are from but (laughs) and now i know so i'm excited i'm gonna go on hulu today yeah Yeah. honestly the first time i saw a clip of it on on like um uh, facebook or something i just thought it was the two of them talking that they recorded and then put it out like talking about (laughs) the romans and stuff like that but i didn't realize it was a whole show uh, mm-hmm. The first season is out on Hulu, but the second season has already come out on BBC Player, yeah. which is their streaming uh, mm-hmm. platform over there because they all came out January fourth. So that's a much better name for a streaming platform than anything that we have in the U.S. <laughs> we could just add pluses to everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and what what is the plus in streaming services? I didn't have Disney before. I feel like it's the original shows because Discovery Plus has the original Magnolia Farm show that you can't watch on Discovery. I assume. I don't true. know. Yeah, I, I know, think I'll that's take true. That one. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just weird because like I didn't have the the non the non plus version. <laughs> yeah, but you had access to the regular Disney Channel if you had cable. Like I, I did not. I do not. Well, if you had cable, cable. you had, <laughs> if you you had, had basic access, cable. Yeah. yeah. So it, this is, hey, it's plus more. <laughs> Just like mm-hmm. Paramount Plus now. Like it was CBS All Access and now they're like, oh, well, we're also going to give you Paramount Channel and all these other things, movies that are owned by Paramount. So it just makes Viacom. me think now that the, the Disney Channel and Discovery Channel, these are just Discovery Minus and Disney Minus now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We okay. don't go negative here, Steven. It's plus, <laughs> okay? <laughs> <laughs> go back to us when we watched the the show on uh Amazon recently. Maybe maybe no you negatives should, there. Maybe you should change your campaign to Doritos Plus. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Hashtag double dusted. <laughs> yeah. So, so it was what, eight episodes? Eight episodes, probably about half an hour each. Yeah. Highly entertaining, very easy to watch. Um 
if you liked go- Good Omens, it's definitely a, a good thing. But if you didn't, like, there's so much more. So yeah. Well, and I never watched Good Omens. So. True. <sighs> Interesting. Right. I'm gonna ask, weren't yeah. these the same leads from Good Omens? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They even talk about that in the show because at <laughs> one point the two of them are are bickering with each other so much, and uh, the producer of the play is like, "Well, what did you guys do on Good Omens when you got this bad?" And they're like, "Well, we played battleships." <laughs> <laughs> that's how they settle arguments. That, that's how they 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 refocus and center themselves by playing battleships. So it was pretty funny. <laughs> which Mitch was, which apparently was the first time Mitch discovered that you can play battleship without actually having to buy the board game. Like the uh-huh. fact that it is hey, just a game. I'm an American. Yeah. I'm about being a consumer, okay? <laughs> I need a product and I need to pay for it. It's not, I can't just be playing games on my own. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I need little yeah. plastic chips. <laughs> As opposed to, you know, just drawing out a little grid and shading some squares in. That's terrible. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I saw oh, one recently. It was Battle Shots. And yep. yes. people they have to take drinks. <laughs> I, I don't drink, but that's a good plan. Mm, well, that sounds like death. <laughs> there's, there's, there's some, there are some pieces in here that I like to think are actually real. So one of the first things you learn is that David Tennant, when he starts to get, go a little stir crazy, starts spelling words backwards in his head. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not particularly good real. at it either. But he's not good at <laughs> it. Yeah. But I feel like that might be a real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and the fact that like he can't teach his kids, like he can't be the one doing the schooling. He has to have them on virtual school. And I, I'm like, yeah, that sounds, that's, yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> So the writer director of this, Simon Evans, who also plays the director in the in the show, this is basically his first thing. Unless he's done a lot of theater stuff, his IMDb only goes uh, is this and uh, upcoming Hunters in the Dark. So hmm. good for him. It, it sounds really cool, honestly. Like Mitch, yeah. I was like you in this one, where I thought it was just an actual kind of conversation or something, mm-hmm. and to hear that it actually is more of a scripted, if probably very riffy kind yeah. of thing oh yeah um it's i really like that it, it definitely feels very it you can tell that they like kind of outlined it they're like okay here's how we're gonna do it here's the blocking but then mm-hmm. you guys just go for it yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay did you have anything else i don't think so that is on hulu if you're in america it's on bbc player if you're overseas so and if you're overseas, mm-hmm. please contact us. I would love to talk to you about what it is that you like about <laughs> our show. So, <laughs> yeah. Stephen, what did you watch this week? I watched a lot this week, honestly. Ooh. Um, yeah, g- getting to be here in this new place and everything and living with my significant other for the first time, um, it's really kind of lent itself to me watching a lot of new things. Uh, and so to name the things that I watched up front and then talk about them, uh, we watched Mr. Mayor, the new show with Ted Danson, mm-hmm. the morning show on Apple Plus. Oh, uh, uh, Ted Lasso. I like. We basically finished. We haven't really finished it yet. Uh, well, I haven't. Naima has. Uh, and then I began Warrior. Oh, began Warrior. Okay. Well, let's start from the beginning. So you so, said, yeah. uh, Mr. Mayor. I've watched the four episodes that have been that are out of that show also, and I believe mm-hmm. Jessica talked about it a couple weeks ago. And yeah, I, I've watched the first three. And you watched and I the watched episode. episode four with you. <laughs> John, have you had a chance to check out uh, Mr. Mayor? 
I Honestly, for me, sorry to cut you off, Stephen, but the only hmm? thing that the thing that I like the most about the Mister Mary is Bobby Moynihan. Hmm. Like, I just <laughs> I yeah, like his character absolutely. Uh, but what did what did you think of the show? No, um, like I I liked it. I I don't think it's amazing or anything. No. It's something that happens to be on a one hundred percent free streaming service. That's on the console that I have and everything. So I, I can just open up Peacock if I can't think of anything else. And then there's probably going to be a few episodes of that stacked up um, that I'll see next time I get on there <clears throat> after running out of other things. So I look forward to six weeks from now when I remember that that show exists and I go back. I, I mean, I really feel like NBC is just, you know, uh, 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 banking on the fact that ted danson was popular in the good place like yep. it's like it's just yeah. going off of that right now and it's like hey we want to keep you around because nobody else stayed around so what's the <laughs> show you want to do or would you like to do this yeah. mr mayor show I, so. I do like that he's a different kind of character in this one um because i forget what the freaking name of it is but he did a show uh no guy yeah. i love becker <laughs> i was like the only like 10 year old watching becker that i knew so but yeah i mean he was on cheers for the longest time like that was his show yeah no and i love cheers okay i love so not that all show. of those shows no it he did a series on hbo a while back with oh uh him uh jason schwartzman and zach galifianakis yeah it's then oh, the yeah. detective show uh yeah yeah i forget what it was called but i, I can't bored bored to death Bored to death. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Okay. And God, I wanted to love that show, but that show sucks. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't like Jason Schwartzman, so like I, I like Jason Schwartzman a lot. I like Zach Galifianakis. I, like I love Zach Ted Danson. And Ted Danson has a beard in there. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's handsome as hell. But no, that the, the show it just I I couldn't I couldn't love it and. They had to turn me back around with the good place to bring me back onto the Ted Danson train. I mean, he was but, also on CSI for uh, a few seasons too, like the straight true, up proper that. CSI. So, which is why he has the joke in the fourth episode about <laughs> NCIS. Yeah, NCIS. You know, being on an NCIS show. So, uh, but yeah. <laughs> so I, I watched that. That's that's on Peacock, one hundred percent free. Um, it's fine. Like you said, Mitch, the best part is Bobby Moynihan. There's like the joke with him. Uh, he walks in and he's he apologizes to to Ted Danson for interrupting a conversation between him and his wife. And he's like, "What? No, God, that's my daughter." And he's like, "I'm so sorry. It's so confusing here in Hollywood." <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we watched it on Hulu, and it is an NBC show. So all three places you can watch uh, Mr. <laughs> Mayor. <laughs> uh, uh, after that, I watched the Morning Show on mm-hmm. Apple Plus. A show that I've wanted to watch for a long time. Yeah, I've only heard good things about this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really good. Um, I don't. I don't think it's it's a light watch by any stretch. It's obviously dealing with heavy subject matter and everything. Huh. It's very much this kind of uh, parallel, fictionalized version of the events that happened with Matt Lauer, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but also with the backdrop of the California wildfires and everything. That's more updated in that situation so but it's kind of like uh the newsroom kind of yeah honestly huh. um they, I, I do think that they I, I like this one better in some respects for some of the performances from the actors okay um, because obviously they, they go into their personal lives and everything and the drama they're in but they they do a really good job there's there's a scene between 
uh, Jennifer Aniston and I forget her name, Lily Blunt. Uh, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, um, her and Reese Witherspoon, and they're having this conversation about something, and it's supposed to be this moment where Jennifer Aniston's kind of like figuring out how to feel about this other person that she's had this very antagonistic and sometimes positive relationship with. Mm -hmm. And she does this thing while when she's having a very fast, like rapid conversation with Reese Witherspoon where she's looking straight at her. And after having just said some, some words and Reese Witherspoon is taking a moment to respond to her and Jennifer Aniston's eyes kind of like dart back and forth in this very realistic way where you're searching the person in front of you for what their response is about to be. And it was just such a good small acting touch that I was like, no, she's, she's acting fantastically in this. Awesome. Uh, Add to that. There's also Billy Crudup and a bunch of other fantastic actors in here. And it's, it's very good. Oh, isn't, um, uh, what's his name? He's the writer director with his brother and he was in the league. Uh, he does those like weird. What's his name? Mark Duplass. Yeah, Duplass. Oh, yeah. yeah, Mark Duplass yeah. is in it, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's in there. Um, he, he plays a good character. The only thing that I had seen him in was about that movie where he was supposed to be a time traveler. It's like an oh. indie movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Safety not guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. No, John, did you watch this for your Aubrey Plaza? Oh, yeah, plans? of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's in there, and he does a really good job. Yeah, so, I, this is a this is one that I've always wanted to talk or watch too, and it's 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 like a, a handful of Ape Apple TV Plus mo- shows that I had not gotten to see, um, but wanted mm-hmm. to. Uh, that and Ted Lasso, as you're going to talk about next, and yeah. uh, Mythic Quest. Have you watched Mythic Quest yet? Like, I figured that would be right no. up your alley. Yeah, I I want to. the The trailers were really good for it, but the trailers for AP Bio were really good too. So. Ooh, yeah, that show's not good. <laughs> But I hear the fourth episode, I think it's the fourth episode of, of Mythic Quest is like kind of very much different than the rest of the show. And it's probably the best episode of the whole show, a whole series. Uh, yeah. So, okay. If you get around yeah, to I, it, let us know. Okay. I'll definitely bring it up. Um, <laughs> the, I guess the next two ones are, are definitely the best, like the most standouts of what I watched this week. Um, I feel bad because I'm talking about so many shows here at once, but they're just so good. Uh, okay. Ted, Ted Lasso. Um, I had watched a previous, like I, I watched maybe one episode of it when I brought it up last time. And now I got to watch so much more of the season and just, I mean, all the positive reviews for that show, they're all correct. <laughs> Everyone who, who talked about it in such like high regard, they're all 100% right. It builds so beautifully into something that's so much more from a, a, a like, what was it ESPN? Sports yes, an ESPN commercial. That's it. It, yeah. was a, it was a commercial that he. I don't know if he owns the rights to the character or what, but like they made it into a TV show, and it, it yeah. from everybody. Like I said, I've only heard good things about the last show. This one, I've only heard good things, and everybody is saying good things about it. Like, yeah, it's such highly praised. Yeah, and it's very well deserved. If anyone is a fan of Scrubs, I think it's so much of that kind of mix of it's got a lot of humor, and then still like tug on your heartstrings kind of moments done a million times better. Bill Lawrence has learned a lot. Like scrubs was good. And if we go farther back than that, he did like spin city. So he's clearly only getting better over time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I just, I can't recommend it enough. You don't have to know anything about sports to watch it. I don't know anything about football by any stretch. The last time I played soccer, 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> either of the footballs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know anything about those things really, and it's just it's great. It's a great time. Uh, and then the one that Mitch has been talking about for some time. So I finally decided to give it a try. I watched Warrior. How far did you make it? Uh, well, I just watched the first episode. Oh, okay. It was it was very late at night, and then those are long episodes. <laughs> those are long episodes. Uh, I really like it. They definitely cast a person who I think is very much at the right times embodying Bruce Lee in yes. a good way. <laughs> <laughs> Like the, the, the DNA of the project shines through. Um, the only thing that I think is weird is that they very much are using the broadcast network that they get to do it on, um, to the fullest with all the cursing, nudity, things like that. Oh yeah. Um, like the violence of the stuff. But the only thing that's out of place is the first, like, I don't know, seven minutes of the episode. It just seems like everyone's cursing too much (laughs) (laughs) so did you ever watch deadwood no okay so if you'd watch deadwood it would definitely prepare you for warrior because it's it's (laughs) it's set in around the same time period but it's up in deadwood north dakota or before Mm -hmm. north dakota was a part of you know uh the the union states or whatever and um yeah, that the whole thing is just cursing. Everybody curses <laughs> in every word. So I, I was prepared for it when I got to Warrior, but I could see how that might be like, huh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it threw me. There were so many times where they were like spitting angry curse words at each other. And it's like, you didn't, you didn't have to. You already had a sentence before that. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> the the action in there is very good. The main plot of the thing is plenty solid by itself. Um, I do like that they resolved the like the one big hook of the first episode mm-hmm. inside of that first episode. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if that was the thing for that whole first season, I would not have enjoyed this. Ah. I would definitely like I love the fact that it's it's telling this immigrant story from another perspective. Actually, it's telling it from two perspectives that one mm-hmm. you just don't normally get. Um, and then there is all this action in straight up martial arts and great fight choreography, but there are some parts in the first season and the second season when you get to it that will rip your heart out. Like it is, there was, I just (laughs) finished the second season and I'll talk about that next week, but the, there is a part where I was, I'm sitting there bawling like (laughs) like a baby with a skin knee. Like it was, it was bad. (laughs) Wait, so how, how intense was your crying caused by the show? Yeah, I mean, was 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 it like on a scale of like stoic, like you couldn't care less, and like with ten on this scale being Kevin Smith after the Flash season one finale? Where were you? <laughs> uh, I definitely don't get that far. Um, I I would probably put myself at a four or five. Like I am not sitting there ugly crying like Claire Danes in Homeland, <laughs> but like I am. There are water flowing from my eyes. Like it's. And to be clear, he doesn't cry at shows or movies. Yeah. So, like, I would be Claire Danes level if I watched this. <laughs> Probably. You, you, you might. You might. Oh, no. <laughs> so, okay. so, yeah. It's, it's a good show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's well shot. Every Everyone acts really well. There's some characters that you get introduced to about halfway through. Um, halfway through that first episode. That from the jump they make you like them and not in a cheap way which is really hard for a show to do at this point i think a lot of times people kind of lean on wanting to establish everything very early 
and then move from there rather than take time to really make you understand or like a character or dislike a character even they do a really good job with um the police officer yes yes he's he's really good he's a, he's comes off like a sympathetic character while still also being a hard ass mm-hmm. and i don't know the the last two shows that i mentioned there ted lasso and this do a really good job of walking that line what did you think about the fact that like um for uh the chinese immigrants when they're around uh the white people so to speak they they you know they speak in a broken english like chinese accent uh but then when there's just the them the show changes it so that you know that they're speaking chinese to each other but mm-hmm. you you we get to hear it in in like straight english with no accent hmm. so i like it for it to be um like a widely accepted show and everything but honestly i would have been totally fine with it just being subtitled yeah and i i would have enjoyed that very much i think that would have been good too but i i think i understand because of the way that the show is marketed that Mm -hmm. it's not the type that you would want uh people to be reading the subtitles as a fight scene was going down or something other intricate is going down i get that one yeah yeah like and for, for me personally, like I really enjoyed uh, like Itman, all of those oh, films. Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch them with the dubs because the dubs were really bad. They are. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like, I mean, during those things, like sure, there's not maybe as much talking during like there's not as much discussion during fight scenes, mm-hmm. but there certainly are plenty of moments with that. And I think that they did that really well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But if you want to get a show that is a good time. Just go watch any of the things that I said there. Um, actually, don't watch the morning show if you just want a good time. That one's going to be like, <laughs> it's, it's rough. But if you want a show that doesn't do subtitles or doesn't do dub things for people when they're speaking their own languages, go ahead and go watch the trailer for Space Sweepers. It comes out on February 5th. <laughs> February 5th. <laughs> Everyone speaks their native language in there. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, Steven. <laughs> All right, Jessica, what did you watch this week? I um, watched a movie with my mom and it was when she picked out that I don't think I even remembered came out and I can't remember when it came out. We had it recorded on HBO, so I assume it's on HBO Max Um, and it was The High Note with um, Tracy Ellis Ross Mm -hmm. and Dakota Johnson and Tracy Ellis Ross plays a um, sort of like diva pop singer kind of like a mariah carey not mariah carey that's not quite right whitney houston-ish diana ross okay not quite that diana yeah well yeah diana ross like a diana ross (laughs) like her mom mom. yeah (laughs) yeah she basically plays her mom and she's sort of dealing with like she's wanting to do new stuff but her producer and her label are wanting her to do the vegas kind of sort of retirement thing that older singers do where you just constantly do the same show over and over. Vegas mm-hmm. resi- residency is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And her assistant, Dakota Johnson, is just an assistant, but she wants to be a producer. And she kind of sort of wants to produce Tracy Ellis Ross, but it's not quite like appropriate to just be like, I want to be a producer after being an assistant kind of thing. And she ends up on the side producing um, a up and coming artist um, played by Kelvin Harrison Jr. And I didn't think I knew him from anything else, but I think he's he he definitely did a really good job as this up and coming artist. Had a really good voice. The music in it is really good. It's not a musical in the sense that 
music is what drives the plot. It's like a music driven, you know, they're musicians, so there's music in it kind of thing, but it's not a musical, if you get what I'm saying there. Like like uh, the Bradley Cooper movie that just came out not too long ago, right? Yeah, or what? <laughs> Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga movie? I can't remember what the name of it is. Star, Star is War? Uh, yeah, Star oh, is Star War. Is yeah. War. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of like, well, actually, no, I think now? A Star is Born is kind of sort of more, Star is Born is count. more of a musical, but I don't even know. Like, this is Spinal Tap is not quite a musical. Like, kind of like that. How dare you? No, Yeah, so, um, but it's really good. My only issues with is oh, she cut. Interesting. No, I like that. It just sounds like a. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> that is at twenty-seven. What is that? <laughs> and that's Steven making the noise now. Oh, I was like, that's a good impression. <laughs> Thank you. I try. How's okay. it going? <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. All right. My only problem was the plot twist was very predictable. I won't say what it is, but it is incredibly predictable. And also, it's one of those like lying is used as a plot device, which is something that I just don't like writing wise. I don't like it when it's like somebody tells a really obvious lie and you know it's going to be the thing that like causes an argument later on. I just don't oh. like it used at all like i don't see the point in doing a huge lie i guess and the lie is of course i'll tell this one the lie is that she she tells the up-and-coming artist that she already is a producer like she implies it and she never corrects them that she's actually an amateur and doesn't really know what she's doing she's really good but like right and that's i'm like why didn't you just say hey i'm also an up-and-coming you know like why once you just admit to it, you still do a good job. Like you're not going to overcharge him or anything. Like it's just I didn't understand why the lie had to exist, kind mm. of thing. Um, but it's it's I think it's a really fun movie to watch. It, the writing's not crazy awesome. It's nothing new, but it's still I think really worth watching and just just fun, nice chill Monday night movie with your mom kind of. <laughs> Now was the kind of was the, were the original songs in that good? Yeah, no, the music's really good. It's um, well, it's like Diana Ross level, like R and B, soul kind of pop music. So yeah, I I've been needing to actually going on Spotify to actually just listen to the music on its own because it's all really well done. Very cool. And you yeah, and you definitely get the feel that um, Tracy is doing this for her mom, mm-hmm. like you. Like, she's really projecting her mom. So she did excellent, I thought. Like, she was a very... She, like, nailed the character. And it's because... And you can tell it's because she grew up with her mom kind of thing. Diana Ross, who is just amazing. So... Um, and on- that, I think, is... I think it's on Max. We recorded it off of HBO. I think I did see it on Max when I was looking at other stuff. So... Very cool. Anything else? Uh, yes. Um... 
I have continued with Harley Quinn season two and I kind of like dropped on my opinion on it. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I know. I don't know what it is about season two, but I'm kind of like, I don't know if I'm like bored of it. It's because it's like the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. and the same lessons over and over again that Harley's just quite not hitting very well. And you're just kind of like, okay, can you grow up already? Like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess because it didn't take the route that I want it to take, and I don't think it will take the route I want it to take. So I probably should just stop wishing on that. What but, was what was the end of season one episode? The end of season one was where she she destroys Joker and Batman, and it's and the United States pulls basically says Gotham City is no longer part of the United States. <laughs> okay, so then <laughs> and I think so it's an anarchy city system. So I think there's an there's a few episodes in season 2 that you're really going to enjoy then. Okay, all right. I'll get there. If you eventually. make if you make it through. Yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. there's definitely going to be I think, Yeah, I think the last one I watched was like the Doctor Freeze episode, which actually was a pretty good episode, so maybe it picks up after this. <laughs> he, he finally got his doctorate. <laughs> Instead of being just Mr. Freeze, wasn't he always? Yeah, he he or always Mr. was a doctor, Freeze. but he just calls. He himself always Mr. is Freeze. a doctor. He yeah. calls himself you know Mr. What? Freeze. He's good, a doctor. good for him for not trying to lord that over everybody. Right. I had a, I had a, <laughs> dude, when when I used to work at Netflix, I had a call some one day from a guy who, on his profile, oh, it said God. Doctor or something something, and as I addressed him, well, hello, Mister Whatever, and he says, "That's Doctor Whatever." I was like, "Oh, hey, Doctor." And I was like, how do I reset my profile? And I was like, well, it's obviously not a doctorate in fucking technology. He <laughs> <laughs> was an old guy, though. But yeah, the, this, that was an wish, intense conversation. I wish I had I, a doctor I, named Dr. Whatever. Like, I think that would be cool. <laughs> Sounds like a villain, when, though, when, also. When any, whenever anyone whatever. does that kind of thing where they're like, no, I paid money for this degree. I'm going to, like, I'm damn sure going to have people, like, refer to me as this. The way that anyone says that kind of thing heavily influences how I feel about them having said that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm that person for them, though. Like, when somebody I know gets a doctorate, I am forever referring to them as doctor. Like, it's just, you've earned it. Well, but like I don't the, think the, I've the, ever had a situation where somebody was like, hey, call me doctor. I'm always the one that's like, no, you need to go by doctor. <laughs> like, pay for like, that. You worked hard for that. <laughs> like, if it's a good person, yeah, no, yeah. Like, you yeah. earned it. If it's like, a, if they're a piece of doo-doo, like, uh-uh, no. Mm. No. Mm-hmm. So, or ma'am. <laughs> or ma'am. <laughs> uh, I, Unless I it's believe... a doctorate in art history. In that case, nah. Yeah, you're still Mr. <laughs> <laughs> As a person who studied art history, I stand behind this with you, John. <laughs> uh, I believe oh that God. when the character was originally created, he was they there was no mention of him being a scientist, so that's why he was just Mister Freeze. He was a guy who oh. robbed banks looking for diamonds uh, with a freeze gun. But then eventually, when the I uh, when the animated series gave him the backstory, he was a doctor. So oh okay, all right. I feel like he makes one of the more... best interpretations. Yeah. Yes, that is I, one of the best interpretations. Yeah, I, I like that interpretation of it, that he's trying to like save his wife and whatever. Or mm-hmm. Good reason and, to be a bad guy, like, I guess. And Mark I don't Hamill know. played the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Was he the voice of, oh. the, of Mr. Freeze? No, he was the voice of the, the corporate guy that was responsible for uh, Mr. Freeze. Gotcha. Oh, okay. 
cool. and that's what got on the role of the Joker, as a matter of fact, because before that it was going to be Tim Curry. But that's a tangent. Let's continue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So All hopefully right. you can make it through the second season of Harley Quinn. Yeah, um, I'll try. Anything else? Um, yes, I did. Last night after watching the WandaVision, I went and watched all of the Pixar popcorns. Oh. <laughs> so, yes. Well, they're only like two minutes long and most of them don't even, I think there's only one of them. The, um, the rabbit and duck one from Toy Story four. 3. Wait, no, 4. Yeah, Toy Story 4. The rabbit and duck one by um, Jordan, Jordan Peele. Yeah, Jordan Peele. Those are the only ones that have talking in it. Oh. The rest of it's yeah, the rest of it's just pure animation and music and sound effects kind of thing, or like ooh ah like kind of thing. So I watched all of them. Just took you only twenty two minutes basically, and then I found out after watching all of them that you can watch one that is actually all of them put together. <laughs> so it's just going like episode by episode, and <laughs> so just I so thought, you know, <laughs> I thought they had an Olaf one. No. No, no, oh, I no, no, because it's all Pixar, so Olaf's not technically Pixar. That's right. I don't know why I yes. think Olaf is or Frozen no. is. Well, they did have an Olaf short. For, they I did, they, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, is, they did just release a new Olaf short, like I think last month, about how Olaf became Olaf. Pretty much, it's like his journey from being created by Elsa on the mountain to him meeting Anna and Kristoff, mm. and like how he. <laughs> Became a lot the existential crisis being thrust into the only one to much, around the sun. It's, it's pretty much an immediate existential crisis. <laughs> it's pretty insane, and it, it goes around like what's going on within the movie, kind of thing. I actually really like that short. I thought it was cute, but so you're um, saying, no, so you're saying yeah. Pixar came up with quick bites, huh? Yeah, basically, <laughs> it's it's called Pixar popcorn, and yeah, and it's Quibi's like, not well, coming it, back. <laughs> bye (laughs) but i mean they're even shorter than quibbies technically because they're all two minutes so um yeah and the the thing is the uh it has the pixar logo like the jumping office light thing onto the eye Mm -hmm. it has that which changes every time and involves popcorn in some way and it's never the same so that's cute and adorable little thing and I just, I don't know. My favorite ones were probably all the incredible ones, which I think there's like two of them. Like the incredibles do chores and it's like how they use their powers to do the chores around the house and <laughs> fighting over a cookie nom nom. Like it's just, <laughs> <laughs> it's, just it's adorable. Jack, and, Jack and that yeah. raccoon or was it a squirrel? The, yeah. Raccoon. The raccoon does make an appearance okay. in one of them. Yeah. It's just, they're cute. It's just cute little things. Buzz Lightyear. I think the first one is Buzz Lightyear trying to teach the other toys how to work out to like this <laughs> cheesy 1980s workout thing. And they're all not succeeding because of their toy anatomy. Like Rex is trying to do push-ups, but he can't because his nose is hitting the ground. So, like it's just it's just hilarious little like things animators would think up when they're like doing their drawings or something like, like that's what it feels like. Like it's just an animator having a fun time basically with a character they're having to draw. So yeah. Yeah. When I, when I first saw the trailer for this, I was like, Oh, I can't believe they got all these, you know, big stars to come back and voice little, little things. But now that you said no one came back to do any voices because there's no voices, uh, that makes a lot more sense. (laughs) Yeah. They just got the animators to keep drawing. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think there was a Dory one in which Dory just goes, ooh, a lot as she like finds things. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and so I think Ellen DeGeneres was like she was in the credits. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like, I feel like, did they just take these noises from the movies? And since it's technically her voice, they, yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. So they have yeah. reels and reels of them doing random small stuff. Like, okay, now do like a pain sound. <laughs> do like a like a aggressive pain sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just cute, fun. Twenty two minutes. There I think go. it's ten episodes. Yeah. Anything else? That's yeah, it. I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. All right, John. It's on to you. What did you watch this week? Hey, I actually kept it light. Uh, you can thank me later. Uh, <laughs> but I finished watching the documentary on Netflix, Break Everything. Um. The history of Spanish rock. Um, oh, this is what he's talked about before. Yes. Uh, so I only made it to like the first three episodes, and it basically went from like the 50s through the 70s. And there was a few things in there that I was like, oh yeah, I remember hearing that come on the radio at some point, or you know, mm-hmm. some reference somewhere. Um, so I restarted it right when we get to the 80s, and that's where it really becomes my jam. Because now we're seeing the bands that I am more familiar with or grew up around. And a lot of those were really great. Uh, hearing some of the history of what went down. Um, yeah, so like one of the things I didn't really touch up on before is that rock has always kind of been seen as the music of like rebellious youth and so on. Mm-hmm. And it really comes across in Latin America a lot more. Because rock was kind of almost straight up like banned in many countries for a long time. And there were a lot of dictatorships in Latin America. So, yeah, you you have certain bands that in the best case scenarios, they essentially got like deported from their country. Like if they left, they weren't allowed to come back in. Others were straight up like persecuted. Um And that just made the movement even stronger. Like people, uh, it, I love the correlation of like the more civil unrest starts to become intolerable, then the more the music starts to reflect that, the culture starts to reflect that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a very clear in here where you start seeing the rock music go from like the doo wop stuff from the 50s to kind of morphing into punk, which, as a, a matter of fact, they kind of attribute punk to starting um, like earlier than it did in the UK somewhere in like the Peru region where they had like some of the first bands that you know basically didn't know how to play their instruments they were just angry and like bashing on them and talking about how much their government sucks and hate they hate their current dictator Mm -hmm. uh, flavor of the month person Um, so yeah it was kind of interesting to see how that happened and like they basically almost put a squash to it in the 70s to the point where it became really really underground and then sometime in the early to mid-80s, then you start having the resurgence of the rock bands with really technically skilled musicians um, not singing so angrily about the government and just being more about the fun. Uh, and then that created sort of the, the, you know, fueled also with the new wave explosion from, you know, Britain. Um you have just like a whole burst of new bands and they'll even say like, oh, this band came out and they're clearly inspired by the police. And they have, you know, these dudes from Argentina, which were really awesome. Uh, then this other group from Mexico City, which looks and sounds like The Cure in their first album, but then became something completely different as they evolved. Um, so it's still great to see that there was like always these one-to-one comparisons uh, mm-hmm. at the start. 
Um, and then they go into the 90s with um, focusing a lot in Mexico, because I kind of remember this. Uh, the early 90s were a really bad time in Mexico. <laughs> Um, growing up in a border town and kind of having people from there. I sort of remember a lot of that, but not really because I wasn't paying attention to it in my youth brain. I was more concerned with like Ninja Turtles and stuff. Um, As you should have been. Yeah, I, I see a lot of that more now where I was like, oh yeah, I remember when the peso totally crashed and people weren't sure yeah. if they were going to have a country the next day. Um, and uh, the presidential election of like 92 that was totally stolen. And people were just like, well, what are you going to do, you know? And so, like, the youth were starting to be like, wait, like, this sucks. Like, our country's, like, full of shit. Um, and I've always been of the impression that Mexico is just as corrupt as any other. They just don't really care about hiding it anymore. They're like, hey, we got away with it. What are you going to do about it? And in reality, <laughs> what are we going to do about it? What are they going to do about it? Like, this nothing really you know um so then they talk about the zapatista movement and how a lot of the rock bands were like either kind of under the table or just flat out overtly supporting them the the rebels um which i thought was pretty pretty metal and very you know intuitive to be with the rock music movement um i like some of the funny anecdotes that they have there's a really cool spanish rock band called cafeta cuba who um was invited to play at the first i think it was the first Lollapalooza, um and they had bands like the chili peppers chains addiction you know like all these really cool 90s of metal or alt bands um so they were invited to to open the show and they were they started at noon which was when they were supposed to go on but the gates didn't actually open till like four so, so they played for nobody and they thought that was like, I mean, they 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 thought it was funny. They're like, hey, we played the first Lollapalooza. Nobody heard us, but we played. <laughs> well, they heard um, them outside the gates, probably. It's, it's it felt very exclusive. Yeah, <laughs> it was like the the janitors and the tech people got a good show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was kind of fun. Uh, they talked a lot about how there were still censorship. One of my favorite bands called Phobia was talking about how they couldn't get radio play at first because of uh, some of their songs had some innuendo. And the lead singer was being really coy about it. He was like, I don't get it. It was just a, a, a simple song about being a germ. Uh, but then they played the song and they're like, oh, no, he's he's definitely singing about something else here. <laughs> this, is, this, this is thinly veiled innuendo, definitely. But I mean, if you look at it at face value and are completely naive, then OK, yeah, it's a cute little song about a germ that happens to live in a very specific part of the female anatomy. OK, um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a lot of that going on. And then it goes into the early 2000s and how now metal, uh, Latin American music starts getting infiltrated with more hip-hop and it starts to kind of change the sound and you get other like rap rock bands like Molotov, um, Ilya Kuriaki. Um, there's like just Molotov. a lot of... Yeah, Molotov is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you get to the late 2000s and the early 2010s and then you have this new wave of more electronic influence uh, rock bands um, and yeah they talk about a few of those and how like the technology changed everything how Napster changed everything because the record labels in Latin America basically like okay we're out we're not making money now thanks <laughs> to this, you know online crap and just bailed on a lot of these people so they became kind of a more of a grassroots thing and um 
yeah, it was just really interesting to see a lot of the fusion, a lot of how just everything from social political standings to technology to just cultural, uh, you know, zeitgeist shifting. Just it, it, it's very clear to see here how the music is a reflection of the times mm-hmm. where I feel like when you're in it here, like in the U.S., you don't quite see it as much because, you know, you're in the forest. So the trees are just like, okay, trees. Um, so that was kind of interesting. Um, I highly recommend it, even if you don't know the music or the language. It's just interesting to see just the progression of a whole entire continent, um, and a ha- continent and a half, basically. Um, just change in time and how, you know, a lot of things we take for granted, like the fact that we don't have an open dictatorship and flat out admitting of, uh, you know, uh, stolen elections and so on. At least right now, we still have the semblance that everything is still on the up and up, and that's something that we should appreciate. It's now, true. On the other hand, I also started watching another documentary series based on a podcast called Song Exploder. Mm. Yeah. I used I used to listen to the podcast back when I had more free time, and I really liked it. I really like now that it's a visual podcast essentially because now you get to see a lot of the you know components that go into it Uh, i'm only one episode into it i think it's two seasons so far and i started with a spanish rock artist because that's just the cake that i've been on right now and um so i listened to or i watched the episode featuring natalie lafricade a mexican artist who had a pretty big hit in the last couple of years and um (laughs) I love how it's not just about what went into making the music, because they definitely go into how they mixed it, what instruments they used, what their influences were. But they also talk a lot about their headspace, where they were when they wrote certain songs, what influenced them, um, a lot about their past. Uh, For instance, this artist, she was trained by a classical pianist, who was also her father in music. (laughs) She buried her father. (laughs) <laughs> her father well yeah because that that figures into the story her father hated that she became a pop artist in the early 2000s mm. like her first single like blew her up and she just gained like a, a a really big level of success in the early 2000s and then when that kind of fizzled out she was kind of lost she was like well i kind of peaked early and i don't know what to do now like inspiration dried up she talks about how she like moved to Canada and she started living in like a commune with a bunch of other musicians, got exposed to a lot of different styles. And then she wrote, you know, some new songs based on that experience. And then she came back and she be, she basically reinvented herself. She started being all poppy, um, like, let's say, I don't know, like maybe Britney Spears-ish or maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more bubblegum than that. And came back as like basically like a folklore artist now where mm-hmm. she's... She's doing a lot more acoustic stuff and really interesting mixtures. Um, hmm. And there was a funny little anecdote where she was talking about how she used music uh, as therapy when she was younger because they lived on a ranch and uh, they had horses. And she said she used to like horses a lot. Um, except one day a horse kicked her in the face. Oh. And I always wondered why she had a very clear kind of curved line in her forehead. It turns out that's a like a horse kicks car. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. And uh, I was yeah. like, whoa. And yeah, and she basically talked about how like her parents thought that she would probably be mentally damaged the rest of her life because she was definitely not doing good. Uh, but that music therapy we talked about before definitely kind of helped her like refocus and rebuild those neuron connections, I guess. And um, so yeah, it was kind of an interesting like 
not rags to riches, but like pop to no longer relevant to now being like a cultural icon like story. Pop to flop to top. Yes, there you go. <laughs> well done. <Steven. laughs> we need to hashtag that shit. <laughs> uh, no, so yeah, I was wondering. And, uh, can't... Oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, did when they talked about the um, all of the, like underground music that was getting, I'm sure, passed around between people. Did they ever have? There's there's a, a way that people used to pass around music that I think is one of the most interesting things, where they would basically etch the music into these like floppy records, basically uh-huh. that would be carved into X-rays. Oh, yeah. did they go into that at all? No, they did not mention that wow. at all. It was all basically cassette tape, um, mm. for mo- the most part. Um, which, interestingly enough, to during that point. Um, one of the ways it did become super popular was AM radio, mm. uh, because mm. you know because of the range that they have. Um, I'm sure it's easier be... to operate illegally. Oh yeah. Oh, especially in Mexico. Yeah, and I mean, even one of the things in Mexico, we even when you do operate a radio tower legally, because of regulations, you can actually do like an insane amount of wattage for those. Um, <laughs> So, like for instance, one of the well, one of the most popular radio stations that we used to have. I mean, technically, we still have the frequency. It's just no longer that station. Ninety-eight point three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. There was a time where it was the best radio station. Uh-huh. In like I don't know, maybe like a two hundred mile radius. Absolutely. And it was actually the antenna was in the mountains of like bordering between like California and Mexico. Mm-hmm. But the wattage was so powerful that it would reach all the way over here. It was mm-hmm. wonderful. We, I, yeah. we were actually, um, so the band that I was in was actually on that radio station. Uh, like we got played on there and we had to record the, their like um, their tag. Cause they had the, the section of, of like a block of a show that was the zone. Yeah. And so we, uh, you'd be trapped in the zone. And so we had to go like, Hola entrapados. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember that. Holy shit. That's oh, crazy. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but that was so long ago. Yeah. <laughs> I was in high school. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm not going to say where I was. But yeah, that was basically <laughs> my week's watch. It was very musically driven uh, as well. Uh, and. Um, I can't wait to see some of the other song exploders. I know one of the episodes is, uh, I think it's uh, Losing My Religion by R.E.M. Mm. is one of them. Mm. And I can't wait to hear all about the mandolin section. Mm. And um, one of the Nine Inch Nail songs, I think it might be Hurt, but I'm not sure. It's on there. Yeah, so that's uh, Song Exploder and Break Everything are both on Netflix. Awesome. All right. Uh, Getting into... My week's watch. I the first thing I want to talk about was the uh, a show that I believe I know Stephen watched. I think John also might have watched, but I'm not sure. Um, it's on Netflix. It's called Alice in Borderland. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a Japanese show. Um, it is or it's a show from Jap- Japan, and it um, has it. So essentially, what it is is these three friends that all find themselves like with a free day go running amok in i don't remember what the name of the town uh, the city ship or the district is in uh tokyo but they 
accidentally cause a, a car act, a, a fender bender, and they end up trying to hide from the cops in a bathroom stall together. And then the power goes out, and then the power comes back on, and when they go out, everybody's missing. Everybody in all of Tokyo is gone. They are the only <clears> three <throat> there. Uh, and for a couple of days and then a, a big light shines in the middle of the city. So they're like, Oh, well then we need to go check that out. So they go check it out and they are entered into a game. Come to find out that, you know, these games are very, very deadly. And, uh, if you try to leave the game, a laser shoots from outer space and goes right through <laughs> your head, kills yep. you. Oh, <laughs> God. Okay. Okay. Uh, so it's it's very sci-fi fantasy. It's very uh, tech oriented, and they're the 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 games themselves are very puzzle oriented, which is something that I'm really into. So uh, it it captured me in the first episode. <laughs> it captured me in the first episode. Also made me think a lot of the Hollows, the animated series I talked about here uh, a few times. Mm, yeah, um, I definitely the the first two episodes captured me got me into the show the third and fourth episodes not so much kind of made me not want to watch the show anymore uh but the last three episodes and it's only eight episodes long uh are really good they're extremely good and it's another show where the the main character that you're following arisu arisu Mm -hmm. arisu um is not my favorite he, he's not really developed well in, uh, un, until the last episode, but the side characters are great, and it's it's very much what held me through for most of it. So uh, if you're into... And of course, there, I think this is what Stephen talked about last time. There is a lot of the Alice in Wonderland uh, uh, iconography and references and... Uh, usage it's and, mm-hmm. and jessica's making a face that she doesn't care for that <laughs> now, uh, in, in, with this show mitch i want you to know you basically watched live action anime yeah. this is the kind of anime i always talk about because it's it's literally it's an adaptation of a manga it I is was, an adaptation of a manga I, I i knew that and i very much knew that especially when you get to characters like glass boss and i don't know if you made it that far <laughs> steven i've <laughs> stuff as people have been so jazzed about the show on twitter and everything yeah like he is straight up out of an anime like even with the cre- the hunched over back and carrying a long sword and i'm like oof that's it there's some characters in there there's there's uh, i forget i don't know the character's name but the one who's like um is, is that this one the one they like point to the like the cards yes so that would be okay. um it's either gonna be aguni or uh, the Hatter, or Hatter is what he calls himself. Because in there, there um, that character, they're just like just 100% straight out of Yakuza, the video games. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so one of the things, I, I ended up having to watch this on my phone, so I couldn't really do the subtitles. I had to do mm. the dubbing, which, mm-hmm. mm, not the best, but it, it worked. And... But I also had to have the subtitles on because whenever they show a sign in Japanese, that's the only time you see the English version of the of the sign uh, or the word oh. wording is with the subtitles on. So mm-hmm. watching it with the subtitles and also with the dubbing, there is a lot of discrepancy. There's there's yeah. times when uh-huh. Yeah. Like the, the there's a in the first episode there's a character um Karube is is making out with this girl in the bar that he works at. 
I don't and, know what you're talking about. And in the English dub, she says, uh, another guy walks in and she goes, hi, cousin. Like they, they act like they aren't making out anymore. And she goes, hi, cousin. And the guy who walks in is also the bar owner. So he just starts beating down on uh, Kairube. And he, he's like, the English dub says, uh, you shouldn't be making out with other people's uh, girls and stuff like that. But the the subtitle definitely makes it out to be that you're making out with my girl as opposed to someone else's girl because they throw yeah. in the cousin part in the, in the dub, but not in the subtitle. So I was like, this is, there's a lot of big discrepancies between the two <laughs> throughout the whole thing, which I thought was funny. Sometimes like the discrepancy thing will also be something where it's like, I don't, the original version of that seems like it was a lot more like, eh, whatever. But then in like the, the dub he's like get the fuck away from me and you're like whoa god jesus <laughs> it's <laughs> and like true. And, and the, and like the original one, he's like hey you gotta get out of here <laughs> like it, it'll be something that's just so much more demure or something uh but yeah so there there's a lot of um like i said the puzzles to get in and out of rooms or the game zones are great and then the the extra world building that they do um is pretty cool the thing I thought was very strange is they throw in backstories to side characters all the way up into the last episode of the first season. And uh-huh. and it it's to me kind of threw me off because I don't think I really see shows do it that way. Maybe lost it that way, but it, it it's mystery boxes is, is, is really cool. So uh, once again, that's, I, I'm assuming that's a lot of anime. Is that why yeah. you're laughing? Yeah. Just like Every okay. character has an elaborate backstory. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it sounds like so many different like anime or manga. It reminds uh, me a lot of Gantz. That's fair. No. Yeah. yeah, I would say like it, it like in the puzzles they have for it. There's this later chunk of Yu Yu Hakusho where they kind of try to like take back some of the earlier stuff that was so much more. It wasn't about the fighting. So there's these characters who have like very specific powers. There's a guy who slowly like eliminates one letter. Uh, or like a sound from things. I forget what it is now. It's been so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you still have to keep having a conversation with him, but without using that sound or that letter or whatever it is, or you'll like get frozen solid. Oh. And the the, uh, the main character ends up like slowly like turning it around on him until he gets the bad guy to say the sound that he axed well, un- unwittingly because there's so much wordplay in Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, he unwittingly makes the guy say the same sound that he just banned. It that's the kind of stuff that I live for. <laughs> <laughs> None of that made sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. That made sense. I got it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so yes, Alice in Borderland is on Netflix. Uh, eight episodes long. I I I, I severely enjoyed it. Yeah. So. Uh, my other show is Truth Seekers on Amazon Prime Video. It is Nick Frost and Simon Pegg's show. Um, it it very much plays up the fact that the, the trailer does plays up the fact that Nick Nick Frost and Simon Pegg are in this together because you know all the stuff they've done together. But Simon Pegg isn't really acting a lot in this. Like he's not. He's in every episode, but maybe for a couple minutes each episode until the very end. Um, it's very much Nick Frost's show, and he works for a a uh, broadband company. Um, essentially, he uh, he goes around. He's a technician that that goes around. Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg is his boss. Tells him where to to do different um, tech calls or uh, help calls, and mm-hmm. 
he gets a new partner on on the in the first episode, the, uh, a gentleman by the name of Elton John, and <laughs> <laughs> they the first place they go to happens to be have a like haunted house scenario going on there, uh, and then you come to find out that Nick Frost is also a haunted house kind of person. He has a YouTube show where he he goes around uh, doing the you know. Uh, infrared camera stuff and has his own uh, ectometer and and all that stuff and or EMF is that what it, yeah EMF yeah meter? yeah and he said ectometer I was like huh they did a new thing <laughs> uh, and then uh, because because he's so into this stuff he ha- he knows all the terminology and stuff whereas Elton John is being introduced to it and he doesn't want to be a part of any of it but yet every time they go on a new call it seems to also involve having to deal with ghosts or monsters or whatever. And uh, it's, it's, it's all, it's, it's a lot of fun. The thing is, is that I feel like they do weird editing. Like there's parts where you, they want this to be real comedic, but then also when they want it to be real serious, but like the music doesn't match and the editing doesn't quite link up in that way. Um, mm-hmm. You definitely get to the end where you find out that there's, there's a lot more going on than you ever suspected with what, what they've been showing you. And uh, you're okay. I I felt okay with that. So Malcolm and Malcolm McDowell makes a plays a huge part as Nick Frost's father in the show. And uh, yeah, it's it's good to see him and stuff too. And they definitely have uh, Easter eggs to uh, Clockwork Orange in there too. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> um, it's a it's a it's a fun show. It was it definitely worked for you know, having it on, uh, in the background, but it, it also engaged me a little bit more than I was expecting. So if, uh, anybody gets an opportunity that's on Amazon prime. Hmm. All right. Those are the two shows that I watched. We all watched something for the, for the week. Let's get into WandaVision episode three and guess what? They actually gave them titles. Now last week when we recorded, they didn't have titles for the episodes this week. We do, uh, just to go back, the first one, I believe, is called Filmed in Front of a Live Studio Audience. Yep. And then the second one was called Don't Touch That Dial. And episode three is now called uh, in Now in Color. Now yeah. in Color. So now I didn't even process color. reading like the title for it. I didn't think, oh, yeah, there weren't episodes last week. No, I did because Mitch said it last podcast. That there's no titles for the episodes. And I was like, wait a minute. This one has a title. <laughs> oh really? Because I I looked it up last week and I and I didn't see it oh, on the. No, no she's no, saying oh, got you, the, got you. The, when I watched this one, I was like, "Hey, there's a title," <laughs> and then I noticed there were titles on the previous ones too. But I do remember. I remember you saying it was just chapters, and I do remember saying, "Oh yeah, it just said chapter or whatever." Yeah. So interesting. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if it's because now we're caught up to what the critics got to see because yeah. they got to see the first three episodes. So I that assume that's sense. why how they've released i don't know well i i think it it might have been to keep like the the way that the first two were i guess you know it's still like a mystery kind of thing Mm -hmm. where this one is very much unraveling that stuff i was going to bring up though that this would have been where people like you said like all the critics and stuff who got to see the three episodes before the screener stuff yeah this is what they were basing all of their reviews off of and there were a lot of people who after those first two episodes were like, well, if this is all this is like, I don't think I want this, <laughs> which doesn't make sense to me. Cause that would have been fine yeah. by me. Yeah. Uh, and, and second, like th- with knowing that there was so much more coming, 
I see why a lot of the people spoke as highly as they did about this, right. you know? Cause like I, like I said, I already enjoyed it, but this changes what I would have thought of the first couple episodes. Mm-hmm. So let's, uh, I mean, I, I kind of just want to skip right to the end. We'll definitely fill in uh, after that. But what did you think of our Geraldine getting thrown into what we have to suspect is the real world as the screen yeah. widened to 16 by nine and uh, helicopters yeah. and all kinds of stuff were happening around her as she flew out of a portal. Mm-hmm. That was a great scene. That was awesome. <laughs> and I loved like the screen shift was probably my favorite thing about the filming of that scene was so all of a sudden, <laughs> boom, normal today, 2000s TV. Like, <laughs> The big, the big thing for me on that was like, wait a second, the 90s didn't, or, or the 70s, 80s didn't start doing widescreen stuff. That doesn't make any sense. And I was like, oh, we're, we're in present time now. Yeah. Dang it. We're in, yeah. <laughs> I know, that's why I was like, oh, cool. And that lady was definitely from sword, right? Because that symbol on her necklace was the sword symbol, right? Correct. Because it looked like a sword. Okay, cool. I yeah. was like, because at first I went, it's Antichrist upside down cross. And I was like, oh, sword. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad I'm not the only one who had that thought process. I was like, Antichrist? That could tie into some rumors about the plot where it's headed later, but we can touch up on that as we go. Wait, what? Satan? Satan. Satan. <laughs> well, the moral version. Yeah, the Marvel version of Satan oh, uh, yeah. would, would be Mephisto. So just for yeah. anybody that needs to know that information. Yeah, okay. Glad sure. you know there is a version there is a of Satan. Satan. Oh yeah, no, there's there's a whole race. They have two separate races of like mutants, yeah. basically. That are they're, they're the Cheyafim and the Seraphim. Yeah. They're angels and demons, guys. Uh-huh. Oh god. Okay. And, and uh, Angel is part Seraphim, and, and Nightcrawler is part and, uh, Cheyafim. Cheyafim, Cheyafim. Yeah. You know, I like that retconning though. That it works for me. I mm-hmm. liked it, but I also liked that writer who got ostracized from comic books. So there's that. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um, uh, but what did you think of the second baby? Like, as a comic book reader, I knew that there were supposed to be twins. Yeah. However, um, to me, the show really made me feel like the only reason why the second baby came is because Wanda felt happy that vision accepted the name tommy so like she manifested a second baby yeah anybody anybody else feel that way or am i completely off base i mean she still had the belly yeah i kind of figured there was a second one coming because there was still a belly and in a sitcom the belly would just disappear which it did after the second baby just like the baby comes out all clean and already wrapped and swaddled in i was literally i think i told my mom i was like look at that no goop two-month-old baby (laughs) i do also want to point out I, I can I can probably name several women who would really appreciate if pregnancy, particularly the last trimester, was done in two days. <laughs> <laughs> several? You mean all of them ever, always? <laughs> what were you about to say, John? Uh, yeah, I was going to make just a gross joke, but I'm going to shift that <laughs> instead. And <laughs> okay, fine, I'll say it. I said, and there should have been what looked like ro- like roadkill left over from the afterbirth uh, yes. I mean um, honestly <laughs> that's true but in uh, those, but say, you know, those but sitcoms he wouldn't have seen like any of that babies out couldn't he I guess yeah if he did the, he did it with the choking uh, in the yeah. first episode so he could have I mean, like a perfect yeah. setup <laughs> 
I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, they just, it's, it's, it's basing it off the, the Brady Bunch, which is obviously what this show was. It was, this episode was the Brady Bunch. family. Or the the Partridge family. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's very much, (laughs) pregnancy is not shown or birthing is not shown and and they they made sure to do it behind the couch Uh, i love that Mm -hmm. they used the trope of trying to find all the different things to hide a baby bump that usually get for actresses that are playing a character that aren't pregnant in a tv show Uh so a big bag a heavy coat a bunch of things in front of it you know carrying potters everywhere just (laughs) (laughs) so that that was that was pretty good uh, what did we think of the the commercial in this episode? As we come to learn that the commercials are very heavily part of the the mystery box, so this one was Hydra Soap uh, mm-hmm. is very much a Calgon take me away kind of commercial where the mom was just too frustrated with her everyday life and needs Hydra. Now, why would Hydra Soap be a thing? I mean, Strucker was I- working for Hydra at the time that he created. Uh, I've heard a theory about this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So, so far, somebody on the internet has theorized that the commercials have to do with Wanda's, like, most traumatic moments. So, Mm -hmm. supposedly, the Toastmaster, whatever, by Stark Industries, um, is actually supposed to symbolize the bomb that killed her parents, but didn't kill them. Um, Mm -hmm. And the the time, uh, the watch, rather which uh, is has the brand Strucker on it, which is the name of the scientist that gave them their powers. Yeah, we talked um, about that last week. So this one, this commercial, which is Hydra Soap, the, the tagline for it is what's interesting. It says, Unleash the Goddess Within. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So t- some people are theorizing that somebody is giving the suggestion to Wanda to just let loose with her powers and like basically go nuts. And that's what we're trying to find out because in the previous episode, um, when the transmission is coming in through the radio, somebody's asking Wanda, saying, Who's doing this to you? Right. You know, somebody's obviously trying to reach her in this place. Um, and it sounds like she's being influenced into creating this alternate reality, probably uh, from somebody who doesn't have the best intentions. And it's basically giving her like that. It's kind of like that scene in Suicide Squad when the Enchantress is showing everybody what they want. And Harley Quinn's version is like that idealistic, you know, she's got the curlers in her hair and Jared Leto is like all cleaned up and, you know, with wearing a business suit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, so it's like apparently somebody's doing this to her in order to get her to reach her full potential of destructive yeah. powers is the theory. Yeah, yeah. I'll take that one. That's and my theory, too. I, I think with the, the last scene that we talked about already with the the sign that says welcome to Westview, we know that Westview is actual city that exists. So she is using her powers to encompass everybody that already lived in lived in Westview. Uh, and I assume that like um, Catherine Hahn and uh, Herb, uh, the neighbor Herb, like they were people that already lived in that that town. They are just now being uh, manipulated by either Wanda or the force that is manipulating Wanda into believing that they are part of the sitcom kind of thing. I feel like it's Wanda so, like like asserting her will mm-hmm. of those things over those people. Yeah. But I do think that Wanda herself, like John had said. I like the theory of that one being something that she was encouraged to create by someone else. Yeah. Uh, so 
I, I don't know if <laughs> we if if what I'm going to say is considered a spoiler. It's definitely speculation if we go off of comic books. Uh, okay. In the House of M comic books, Wanda is the one that creates the fake world, but it's because she's being manipulated by her brother, mm-hmm. Pietro Quicksilver. Oh. We saw oh, Qu- right. Quicksilver was dead or is dead in Age of Ultron. Uh, dies yes. at age age of Ultron. So mm-hmm. when she and they bring met, that up in this episode, when yeah. when she mentions Pietro, that is definitely a thing that helps snap Geraldine out of whatever uh, trance. trance that she is being held under. That maybe Wanda is doing. It, maybe it's a moment that made Wanda weak because she's remembering her brother. So her hold. I don't think, I don't think Geraldine was ever under any kind of. I don't think she was quite under it. I don't think she was at all. Yeah, I think she was sent in by Sword to try to get Wanda out of it. I think Hydra or somebody has Wanda and is manipulating her, as we said before. And Sword is trying to get her out, but Wanda likes it so much that she's kicking anything from Sword out of it. Just like he, she straight up was like, oh, you're not supposed to be here. And just... Mm-hmm. Well, and, and paired with yeah. what they said about Geraldine, like, she doesn't have a house here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I so I think she, yes I think Sword sent her in but I think she is still manipulated by Wanda because I think entering yeah. that field manipulates exactly. you by Wanda. Yeah. And Wanda's <laughs> and Wanda's creation but because she is gra- because she knew going in it's easier for her to snap out of Wanda's trance and all she needs is a reference to the real world mm-hmm. which is yeah. And this is where I didn't quite understand why sword i mean i guess maybe she went in as kind of like a scout or something is what i'm assuming because i was like why didn't they have hawkeye go in because hawkeye doesn't fall for i mean as of yet hawkeye Hawkeye doesn't fall for wanda's things because of what the what was it the tesseract that made him it was the sphere or the scepter Uh, whatever the scepter changed him and now he doesn't fall for that bullshit anymore basically Mm -hmm. and also he had already had it so i was like i'm wondering if i'm thinking my theory is that maybe hawkeye is going to be on the show it also Mm -hmm. makes sense because he is going to eventually have his own show too and And that he's going to hopefully be the one to snap wanda out of it but then i know it's supposed to link to dr strange's movie so i have no idea but i'm like why wouldn't hawkeye go in i mean he is (laughs) a big part of he's a big part of wanda's story so far in the mcu like he's the one that caught her to start believing in herself and her powers. And he's the one that mm-hmm. broke her out of Tony Stark's mansion or uh, Avengers compound. And you're right. It, 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 yeah. it would make sense to have him come in. So that's is why the, I feel like Geraldine is like a scout or something going in first before somebody bigger comes in later. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Mitch, you and I talked about something in text messages. Mm-hmm. Do, Do we bring? Be? Yeah, I think, I, I don't think so. What yeah. Do I, I don't know if we should bring it up. Oh, my God. <laughs> now I, I'm too curious. <laughs> <laughs> we can definitely just tell you on the side. I, I think that it's a it's a better reveal, and I'm sure we're going to get it in the next episode, that, yes. that it would just be better for people to learn on their own. Because I do think that there's... Mm, with the kind of stuff that you said, I think that there's a reason they chose Geraldine for that. Yes. Oh. I also think that... Going back to the second episode where we saw the toy helicopter, 
So that would be mm-hmm. very much one of the sword helicopters that we saw flying around entering into the space and she changed it into a toy. Does that mean she kicked the pilots out or did she make them toy size also? <laughs> toy pilots. Poor pilots. <laughs> She's Aww. doing it like that Twilight Zone episode with the little kid that's like omnipotent. Send him to, yep. send him to the cornfield? Corn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're definitely getting Twilight Zone type of feels from the show too. So oh, yeah. I think that is uh, very much a, a thing that we could talk about. Now, what do you think the... I don't know if we brought this up in the last episode. What do you think the significance of the hexagons are? Because we keep seeing hexagons over and over throughout the show. Well, I assume bumblebees, especially when the bee guy came out. It's the shape of a honeycomb. honeycomb. Oh, it's okay. It's the shape of a honeycomb. That. There we go. <laughs> See, but, I was with you, Jessica. But the funny thing is, yeah. is we brought this up last time, was that I told you uh, beehive guys or uh, beekeeper guys are, are part of uh, AIM. But they, this guy who came out, and I didn't realize it the first time, that he's wearing a sword symbol on his back. So I don't know if they're mm-hmm. they're merging the two of aim and sword together. They changed sword. They changed what the W means. They did. You're right. So uh, in, from the comic book to, the, to what we are now being known for the TV show is going to be sentient weapons, mm-hmm. I believe. Ooh. Yeah. Instead of... Yeah, uh, instead that, of that really changes the meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which also makes it interesting for them to be sending someone possibly to try to look in on this situation. So would you consider both Wanda and Vision sentient weapons or is just Vision? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I I don't know if they're they're categorizing uh, Vision as a person like. I don't know if the I I I understand that they would well, sentient and person not necessarily go hand in hand. That's why I'm that saying one. I'm saying I'm saying the sentient weapon in the in the scenario is just Vision, not Wanda, because she's a person. I don't know. Once you get that kind of powerful, I mean, you're yeah. you can be wielded, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like to, to a good result for the person wielding. I mean, mm-hmm. then you couldn't you say the same thing about just about ev- half of every person in the Marvel U, like the the Marvel yep. Cinematic well, Universe. I, I think that's the. That's point. why. Yeah. That's how, that's how you I, connect all of them. Is just to claim they're all sentient weapons. I mean, that's what she mm-hmm. re- does. Remember in um, Civil War when Ross is uh, talking to I think Cap, and he was saying, "Where's Banner? Where's Thor?" And I was like, "You don't you don't think uh, I'd have some." breathing down my neck if I lost a couple of megaton nukes. You know, he was comparing Thor and Hulk to weapons, weapons. of mass destruction. So, so you're mm-hmm. saying Falls Sword right is line. going to be a more heavily uh, government-oriented uh, like division uh, as yeah. opposed to S.H.I.E.L.D.? S.H.I.E.L.D. is on its yeah. own thing. Yeah, that, now it's Sword is going like to be it a part of it. sounds like it could lead to the Thunderbolts. Well, yeah, and, and that's, that's the reason we haven't seen mutants or anything up to now. They've been mm. keeping them locked up somewhere or something, you know? Mm. Ooh. That's interesting. Ooh. What's the That's name of how that they island? Them. Krakoa or Genosha? Yeah, yeah, Genosha. B- both. Yeah. yeah, I dude. So if they had done the space thing, this this is deeper comic ones. Yeah, and, and I kind of I'm this is this was also the off ramp for me in comics where I'm like I don't fucking care about this. <laughs> <laughs> the, everyone else that reads comic books is very much about it. Um, like that's one of the things that I think would have been interesting if they were doing space with sword still. Because one of those is in space, if I remember correctly, right? Yes, sword is yeah. from outer space. It's supposed to. No, be... No, no, no. I mean, um, what one of the the, the worlds is like the island, and then one of them. 
Oh no! Well, Genosha ends up becoming asteroid M, which they, like because yeah. Magneto lifts it from the ocean and turns Ooh. it into uh, an asteroid place for mutants. If I remember <laughs> correctly, I'm not the biggest mutant. I'm history so excited person. about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so we also didn't really get another transmission from outside of I'm going to call the bubble at the moment. Um, I think that's replaced by Geraldine's statement yeah okay I, I think they just opted instead of transmission use geraldine okay uh the babies uh tommy and billy uh if if they follow the comic books tommy has super speed like his uncle and billy has magic pe- based powers like his mother so uh oh, cute. <laughs> both of those <laughs> become uh pretty powerful in their own right uh having to do have, uh, being a part of the young avengers in the comic books don't know if we're going to get that far i also think that as the decades change oh sorry (laughs) i'm sorry they're real like they're real in the comic books because like i know they're made from her mind but so she basically like olafed them Correct. Like Elsa? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, that's cool. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, they were, they, well, this means vision. You are not the father. They were not. They there were is not, no father. Uh, yeah. Huh? I mean, no yeah. No. They were not oh. raised by uh, Wanda or Vision or Wonder Man, but they were put straight into adoption. Like, essentially, she created them, and they went into an orphanage, and they, they found homes. So Tommy was not so happy with the home that he ended up with. Billy ended up with a loving family. Um, and, and they grew up to be teenagers. That's becoming cool. the Young Avengers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's cool. Didn't know that. That's neat. That changes things. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that, I think that as the decades change in the show, you mm-hmm. will see the children rapidly growing with the decade. Yes. So. Okay. Yeah. I think I saw that in the trailer. There was like a kid running around i thought it was a girl though actually oh that's it wilhelmina mm-hmm. who's wilhelmina uh, <laughs> no. there is a scene in one of the trailers where katherine hahn is seen wearing like totally 80s get up like leg warmers and all that <laughs> stuff and i i'm so for that right now i can't wait to see that episode <laughs> i mean what's the show that's going to be the 80s is the full full house is it that's been my thought all, all along um well, Full House was more towards the early '90s than, but I mean, I guess it's the technically this started in the late '80s. Um, Family oh, Matters. I forgot was to that mention. 80s? Family Matters, uh, was I believe, was after Full House. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just a complete I tangent. I do like that all of those TGIF shows were in the same shared universe, though, because Steve Urkel like cameoed on all of them at some point. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, uh, did you think it was weird? Because I felt like they're in this episode, they went away from the the typical filming of uh like the Brady Bunch type. Like I know that in the Dick Van Dyke version, they kept very much to the static shot of the living room. Um, mm-hmm. and then the Bewitched, we got to move around the living room a little bit more. And this one, yeah. they went to more of a film style filming as opposed to just sticking with the Brady Bunch style filming. Do you think that that's that, that means anything in the well, in the breakdown of Wanda's it, abilities, or is it? It's who we're seeing, whose okay. perspective. Okay, I think. Well, it it definitely is 
copying multiple styles, not just the Brady Bunch. Because I also noticed, like, during the opening credits, they also had some references to, like, uh, um, what was the name of that show uh, from the late 70s where they have the two women that work at, like, that bottling plant? Laverne and Shirley? Yes. Uh, ah. There was definitely a lot of Laverne and Shirley in there, in, in there as well. And some of those shows... Um, there was another one too that was also late seventies. I can't think of off the top of my head right now. I should have done more research. I was not prepared, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, yeah, if there's, I mean, there's several YouTube videos I'm actually avoiding that says like seventy three Easter eggs from this episode of One Division. I was like seventy three. Were that that many? Damn. <laughs> um, but I'm sure some of those are references like that. Like oh, and then this, you know, th- this fruit bowl is exactly the same one that they had in episode three nineteen of you know whatever. Yeah. Um, now, things like that, you know. Do you think that the doctor, his first name being named Stan, was a reference to Stanley? I was wondering because they they made such a thing about his name, like it felt like it stuck out, right? It was Stan. Well, the yeah. second part being Nielsen, I was wondering if that has to do with the TV ratings, Nielsen families, yeah, and, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, Nielsen, like was it Soundscan or whatever? The Nielsen box, Stan, yeah, sound, yeah, those type of things. So I didn't know if that was if, if they were throwing in two references with that doctor or not. Uh, so a reference to Leslie Nielsen. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> I wanted to uh, make a roundabout joke that he played a doctor in an airplane, but it just, I, I, no, it wasn't going to work out. Surely you must be kidding. Thank you for saving that one. Now, completely, well, not tangential, but related, I did want to point out, because I don't think we mentioned it, or maybe just briefly touched on it in the last podcast for the first two episodes, um, but I absolutely love Elizabeth Olsen's 1950s and 60s sitcom voice. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. feel like she nails that tone so perfectly where it's that mm-hmm. slightly heightened reality and you can tell she's speaking from the diaphragm because she's projecting it. And it's yeah. slightly exaggerated, you know, very uh, sugary, but she just nails it so well. And then in this episode, when a little bit of menace starts to creep in, like that shift was so jarring mm-hmm. and creepy, mm-hmm. but it also felt natural. And I love that when she starts to get a little more yeah. like, what are you talking about? You know, and she does it twice. First, when Vision starts to realize something's wrong and she like rewinds it. Mm-hmm. I kind of like how that seems to be like one of her powers she's using is like she doesn't like how something's happening. She like uh, Prince of Persia, sense of times it <laughs> to like a previous save point, basically. Yeah. <laughs> But and, it wasn't um, the same type of rewind that we saw in the last episode. This was yeah, more it was of like a, a glitch. This, this one was a, straight up a cut. Yeah, like, it was just a, yeah. Yeah, it was a cut. Let me ask <laughs> like a weird edit. Yeah. Let me ask everybody else something else because something happened during our watching where it it stopped and the Disney Plus circle started spinning, and I don't know if that was like something they our internet or no <laughs> I mean, no, uh, no. When, when they did, when they did the glitch. I was like, that's a bold decision to make on an app that has a lot of problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't know if maybe they were like getting very meta and being like, hey, we can mess with the Disney Plus version of this and, and put in a buffering thing. Or, they or should, not. though. That would be cool as hell. We, we control the horizontal and the yeah. vertical. <laughs> I mean, if you want to do it, like that is a, incredible. at one point when she's losing her powers and the, and the sound goes mute or something, like I think that'd be pretty awesome. Like it's really playing with people. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like that concept. But Ooh, I, definitely, I felt point. it for this glitch because I did think for a second, did Disney just like, did we just lose for a second? But <laughs> and then I went, oh no, that was intentional. Okay, that's cool because that is what it reminded me of was when your internet just cuts for a minute. So. <laughs> you were, so, you're saying you know? we're going to see. Oh, sorry. No, you were saying 
Uh, so you think we're going to see like a literal fourth wall breaking in the show where she like smashes through the TV screen and then all of a sudden it becomes her reality? I mean, that, that's how we saw the matter of uh, Geraldine uh, out of like, like, run, like get thrown out of the whole thing. Uh, she burst through and visually around her were the cells that make up your screen, your which screen. I forget the name of them. Same as last week. I got to just look yeah, it up. It's clearly a running theme for this. Yeah, well, CT, I, uh, CRT. I also think it's interesting that someone else outside of the bubble, someone that's working for S.W.O.R.D., is able to actually watch this whole thing as if it is a sitcom. Like that, mm-hmm. it's it's almost like she has created not sitcom just for her to cope with it, but for someone else to watch what is going on. I assume they just hacked whoever is actually watching Wanda. That's I mean, what I was assuming. That's a po- that's, that's possible too, but that yeah. still implies that Wanda is creating cameras. Mm, yeah, mm. I, I I don't know because it like it could be basically them picking up her perception of the whole thing. We don't necessarily have to see the stuff that Vision goes and does or anything. They could just see what happens on Wanda's end, which would just be a camera, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they um, somehow linked the cameras to Wanda so they could see what she's, what illusion she's creating, even no, though like, they're outside of it. I think they, they would just be like seeing what she is seeing in some way, because it like um, to what Mitch brought um, up earlier, the, there was a, the camera kind of change when we went to say where vision was over there talking to the doctor mm-hmm. and everything. Um, and outside of there, he also used his power to achieve this end, which seems like a thing that Wanda wouldn't also allow if she's in control of things, you know? But as of giving birth, she might, might not be too much in control, as we saw mm-hmm. with the paintings and, and stuff flying around everywhere. Yeah. Well, yeah. If she, but if she's actually manipulating reality, they could just have hidden cameras up. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Also, we could be getting introduced to a powerful telepath that's yet to be named. You know, if this is Professor X or uh, uh, Emma Frost, like these these are people that could be watching but creating a uh, scenery of looking at a TV show because that's how mm-hmm. it's being expressed. Mm-hmm. Like it, that could also be something that's happening there. So, yeah. Oh, I just want to check it. it oh, oh Rufus, they're called cathodes. 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 Correct. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. It's cathode tubes. Yeah. Speaking of scenery, I absolutely loved how horrible the backdrops looked. Yeah. So horrible. Yeah. It's like a straight up wall that's like water paint. Like this is so <laughs> perfect. I'm like, oh, I literally was like, that looks so bad. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a lot of the times when when Vision is talking to Herb, I was just cracking up so much. It, mm-hmm. it was funny, like just the, yeah. the dialogue itself, and then the 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 very much painted backdrops and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, because it's very many... much the issue of when things that were black and white turned color, and you could actually notice mm-hmm. just how fake everything was. was just, mm-hmm. cool. Same thing we got when things went from uh, standard definition to high definition. You could be like, yeah. Oh. You can see oh, yeah. the makeup marks on people now. Like it is yeah. not good. <laughs> or like, um, so I have a question after this one, but like another one for that one is like um, when people started getting like home video releases, mm-hmm. um, the first home video, like the first film version of the Godfather has some terrible, terrible things in it. 
um, where like there's like whole chunks of of like a uh, like some film stuff that's still in there. Mm-hmm. Um, like d- different bits of things where if you had been a person owning that version at home, you'd be like, "This is a piece of shit." <laughs> <laughs> well, they were trying to sabotage VHS in the early days. Yeah, I, that is fair. That is fair. But they got the dirty money in there, XXX money. That's right. Not only that, man, way but pen and scan. Goes. Awful. <laughs> pen and scan. <laughs> the, um, is awful. The, the question that I had is, uh, how long do you guys think it'll be until the majority of the show changes to being typical television as we know it now? Because I think we're pretty close. We have nine episodes okay, total. Last two. Nine. I yeah. would. I would say probably episode five. I, I'm thinking closer to episode five. Okay. Okay. I'm thinking last two episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking last two. I want there to be an animated one too. <laughs> oh. I would like if it was like it was like a uh, Rankin Bass like thing. 19, like 90s Saturday morning. Oh. Animation, like that's what I want. Mar- Marvel babies. Well, <laughs> technically, Disney owns The Simpsons now. You could see a Simpsons version of the family since I know. it's family oh, sitcoms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm ready for yeah. that. I like, I like the, that you said technically they own this like they don't own everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't know Warner Brothers yet, but I'm holding out for Amalgam. <laughs> like, I, want, I want that Batman Wolverine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, is there anything else that anybody would love to bring up or speak about? Yes. Go. I've been waiting for this moment. Uh, oh. So... There is one moment in this episode that made me legitimately, unironically laugh out loud. Mm-hmm. And that was the scene where the character played by David Lenkel called Phil, the dude with the really prominent mustache. <laughs> uh, oh, I know what you're seeing. He's just trying, to, out. Yeah, <laughs> he's just trying to read his paper. His wife comes in and he says, do these earrings make me look fat? I think is what she said. It's something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Uh, the light goes out and he just says, Oh, thank oh God. God. <laughs> I was confused because it was legitimately funny to me and I couldn't stop laughing. I, I liked the moment a lot. Like, in, in the moment, like, I laughed too, but I was like, This isn't a problem. The earrings changed nothing, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's what made it funny because it was just a cheap joke that was kind of in line with, you know, the humor of the time. Mm-hmm. But just his delivery was so sincere. So and you know what? I haven't mentioned him before, but I really like him a lot so far because he's just constantly getting shit on. You know, he's just that character for the series. And, and his, he just his plays. Go ahead. Huh? Oh, and he just plays that like downtrodden character so well. It makes like, sense aw. considering who his wife is. Yeah, I was going to say, his yeah. wife being the <laughs> what we've now considered the ball buster, quote unquote ball buster of the group. Like, yeah. She's the mean girl. She's the mean yeah. girl, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, played by Young Yanka. You know what? Worth it. I right. deal with that. Emma Caulfield back. <laughs> uh, okay. So then if that's, that's everybody's uh, two cents on episode three, now in color, we can go ahead and send it off. If you have more information or like to talk to us about something, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Michipedia G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. Uh, Stephen, where can people find you online? Come find out about the greatest event of 2021 <laughs> on my Twitter at Peppermint Gent. Start for Peppermint Gentleman. Uh, just uh, do that. Come find me there. Or go and type in hashtag uh, double dusted and find out more about this great movement. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Jessica, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter. It's JM Bailey writes. 
And John? And you can find me on Twitter at Magic Bollocks. I just realized the perfect show they could ape off for the 80s is Morgan mm. Mindy. Ooh, Ooh, that's that could true. Be good. I would like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. It's another... Uh, it's Mork and Mindy is also a spinoff from Happy Days, right? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that's right. Happy Days had so many spinoffs. Uh, <laughs> Elizabeth, where can people find you online? You can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media on our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. Uh, check out our website, geekelitemedia.com for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash geekleetmedia. We have exclusive material there that you can only get if you're one of our subscribers. And whatever podcast catcher you use to listen to us, please rate and review us. It helps spread the word of our network. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek Geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.